myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words that maybe Morning all, welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Rayford is the professionals, joined by Mitch, uh, who is uh, still in hot acclimates, and uh, Stu, who's brought the sun with him to the northeast as he's here for the Seller Cup and a few family events. Morning, chaps. Good morning, how are you? Good to see you, and as always, an hour to chat about Newcastle United, uh, what's been making the headlines, what's in the news, and um, we'll start with football, lads, um, because as always, we've always got people who are in the chat who uh, want to ask some questions, and um, Sutty was uh, first in with his, uh, based on the pre-season performances, what would your starting 11 be versus the Villa game? Now, we've only got this game today, um, I, you know... I, I'll give it a I'll give it a blast myself um, as well today. But Mitch, have you got a have you got a thought in your mind of, of what your starting eleven would be next week? I think there's only a few decisions to be made, and I, I personally think we saw the front three start yesterday. I'd agree with you on that. I think that was our starting front three. Um, Pope, I think, in goal. Uh, Trippier right back. I think he'll start with target left back, and I think if he's fit. Shaw and Botman will occupy centre-back. Um, and I think Bruno, Tonali and Joe Linton. OK. I think, I think ultimately for me, the changes are going to be minimal to what we had at the back end of last season. I don't think I know this target things in the paper today. I think it's a red errand. Um, he's had a great preseason, no doubt about it. But I think he'll go with the same back four. I think he'll go with uh, I think he'll go with Dan Byrne at left back, and I think he'll go with uh, as you say, Shaw and Botman and, and Trippier, and I think Pope as well. The midfield again, uh, we've seen a lot of champion uh, championing of uh, Elliot Anderson and rightly so because he's had a great preseason. Um, but for me. <laughs> Again, I can't see him making many changes to that to that midfield. Um, I think I think I think the midfield will will be as it, as it was last season. I think um, Bruno, I think Joe Linton um, will will both be in there. But I think I think the Tonali I think the Tonali thing is the is the one thing that's got me in a bit of a dilemma with what Eddie Howe would normally do. And I think the fact that he's played a full preseason, the fact that he was in the Champions League semi-finals. The fact that he was captain of his previous team, the only thing that's going to keep him out is either his fitness levels, which Eddie Howe said there's no problem with, or it's going to be language barrier, um, which obviously he's learning English. He's doing a, you know, he's doing his, he's learning, learning it now. So that, it's, that that's the big thing for me. Who does he, who does he go with in that in that position? So I'm going to hedge my bets. I am going to say that I do think it should be Elliot Anderson on pre-season alone. But I think it'll be Tonali. I think Tonali, Bruno, and Joe Linton. And then after that, well, it's it's pick your it's pick your pick your options, isn't it? I think um, I think Gordon. I think 100% will will start. I think he's earned the right. I think he's you know he's he's certainly had a great summer. Um, and I think um, I think Miggy as well has earned the right. Certainly in goal scoring form. And I can't see Wilson starting. I genuinely can't see Wilson starting at all. I think it'll be I think it'll be Isaac. I mean he got off to a flyer again yesterday in front of the home fans with another great header. Um so 
all of these complications and all of these problems that people say Eddie's got, he will have them through the season. But I genuinely think, lads, I think it's going to be go with what you know to start with and breathe the, bring the rest in. Harvey Barnes could start next weekend. I just don't think I just don't think he will. And Liveramento, who was there yesterday, um, again I can't see Liveramento, you know, featuring at all until later on. You know, in in the Premier League season, you know, get his feet under the uh, table, get up to the the fitness levels, fit in with the squad, you know, and and, and of course, you know, Trippier will Trippier will start anyway. So, yeah, it's difficult, Stu. It, it, it's a it's it's a good job we don't get paid for this because there's lots of women in Ireland from me and Mitch. But what's what's your what's your take? You've had time to write it down. Put your team forward. What would you put? I couldn't spell anything at the moment, so I'm more with you, horses for courses. I, I think the obviously Pope will be in goal. The back four will be in again. In my opinion, it'll be Trippier, Botman, Shaw if he's fit, and if not, I think the sales has already been replacement, even if it's just for one or two games. Even if the Shaw's injured for longer. I can't see us buying the right back centre half or right side centre half that everyone's demanding. And even if we did this week, I don't think they would play him straight away anyway. So it'll be Shaw or Lascelles with Botman and then Dan Byrne at left back. The front three pick themselves, I think, is the same front three as what played yesterday with Isaac flanked by Miggy and Gordon, and the rest can get blended in. The midfield, this is where I differ from you. Uh, I think Bruno and Joe Linton. Barring any injuries today, touch wood, it doesn't happen. Uh, but I think as long as he comes through well today, I think Sean Longstaff will be the third uh, part of the midfield. And it's, it's just to say to Tinali, look, this is what we want you to do. And then add your flair and skill on top of it. And you can get to see what the home crowd's like properly for a, for a league game, not a friendly game. Um, and maybe bring him on for 20 minutes to go. That's that's what I think. I think you play Sean uh, on the right, Miggy, sorry, not Miggy, Bruno in the middle, obviously, and Joe Linton on the left side of the midfield. Interesting. All about opinions. Not many dis- not many disagreeing with us in the chat today. I think um, I think it more or less picks itself, but there are a couple of positions up the grabs. Mm-hmm. Longstaff's a good shout. Um, you know, he is he is almost becoming the forgotten man within the media and the fan base because you know people are looking at El- Elliot Anderson. I've done it today, uh, not even considered Longstaff. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be an interesting team selection, and um, I'm, we'll get a little. I'm just interested in looking at people talking sixes and eights and things like that. Our system, our system's more fluid than that. We don't have a rigid six or a rigid eight. We have a midfield that that is fluid. You you see that on the left hand side with your left midfielder and your left winger, and I play a lot and change positions. Um, if you want to, I would say if you want to compare how we play and how we we don't play these rigid positions, look at the great AC Milan team. In the nineties, they played four midfield, but it wasn't a flat four; it was a rotating diamond. And any one of them could be at the point of the diamond as it rotated. So it didn't matter where they were; all of them could do that job if that happened to be the position they were in. And that seems to be how Eddie gets the best out of us and the work rate. Um, it just tires me seeing sixes and eights and what have you. Um, I don't think by that, I don't think you can package us up that neatly. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's a great problem to have. Um, there's no fabulous doubt problem that. to have. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. Can we have an update on George, please? Uh, people are asking in the chat. 
he's home. Uh, they, they let him head home latest on yesterday. Uh, he's home with a whole host of pills, potions, lotions, and drops. Uh, he had to lie in his back and stay at the ceiling for 14 hours after he had the op, apparently, which must have been exciting. So what did he do? Gets his phone and starts messaging me. I'm like, uh, one of you would probably drop your bloody phone in your face, put the phone down, and listen to the doctor. <laughs> so, but he's doing great. He's doing great and sounds in really good spirits as well. And thanks, everybody, for the good wishes. Great stuff. Get well soon, George. Looking forward to having you back on the show. John Askew, good morning. He says, good morning, all. You would have thought Anderson's pre-season performances might give him a starting chance versus Villa, but will Eddie be reluctant to do it? Nice problem for the manager. Will Eddie think about using Wilson as the main striker with Isaac in a free role, just behind in a sort of number 10 role? It could be tremendous given Isaac's general ability. What a player. Huge season ahead. Yeah, I mentioned at the top of the show about... Um, about Isaac, uh, Mitch, and I think it'll be one or the other, won't it? And, and I think Eddie yeah. in his press conference, I did the review, put it up yesterday, I genuinely believe what, what Eddie says. We, we aren't chasing another striker because of financial fair play uh, issues uh, with, with us in this particular window because of what else we want to bring in. We've got three We've got three people who can play in that position. We've got Callum Wilson, we've got Isaac, and we've got Anthony Gordon who had a good summer and um, you know can play in that position. So he's happy going into the season with those three, um, but I think he'll start with Isaac as his, as his first choice. Yes, I think so too. Um, I think that's that's one that's you know not quite first name on the team sheet, but there are thereabouts. Yeah, um, it's it's the same question to you, really, Stu. I think um, you know, I think that decision's made, and I think the fact that he missed third of a season last season and still scored ten goals tell you what kind of player we've got in in Isaac. Yeah, but it's as we've just said, it's a great problem to have with him and Wilson. But you can rotate them. You have to manage them, and it's the especially with Wilson. Uh, you, as much as would like to have him starting every single game, we know that just ends in tears or tears, as it probably would be. So we have to make sure that he comes on. And if he comes on as an angry sub with 30 minutes to play and scores a goal every game, then we, we, we as fans and the club will benefit. And I think that's how Eddie Howe will use him. He'll, he'll have him as an impact sub, as well as Ellie Anderson, as well as Miley, as well as Harvey Barnes, as well as Tenali. Sounds fantastic, doesn't it? To, to what we were saying even at this time last year, never mind two or three years ago. Yeah, uh, Alan, um, Mackenzie and Mozza, uh, hope you're having a great time in Cyprus. Uh, they're sending on their best wishes to your dad, which is very nice, as are a lot of people in the chat. Uh, would you guys go for Laporte if available, says uh, Albert? I would always go for any quality player that could enhance our squad, and he certainly could. Um, <laughs> he doesn't necessarily solve the problem for me, though. Yeah. He's another left-sided centre-back who can play full-back as opposed to a left-sided full-back. Um, I think if he was an out-and-out left-back, I'd say 100%, yeah. But I don't think you could turn down a quality player from anywhere if if the fit fit the squad and it fits what Eddie wants. Yeah, with uh, Mitch on that, it's because he's a left-sided centre-back. Hang on, hang on. I've got uh, two old people chatting away in the back room. <laughs> It's me, mother, and me out in the in the living room. Um, and then the port's a left sided centre back, and I, I don't think you'd want to come to Newcastle to be an understudy. And then you've got his his wages. I'm, I'm sure he's on a hefty wage at Man City at the moment. Um, so if we are going to strengthen the defence, to me, the main priority is left back. 
I uh, don't think any they mentioned who I'd want in that position, although there was a horse yesterday called Tierney and I had £20 on it and it didn't win. So he's not my favourite player anymore because <laughs> a horse named after him didn't win. Uh, but that, that's where I think we're, I think it's quite clear we need to strengthen. And, uh, and I'm sure we will before the window closes. With him, I think it'll go right to the edge because it'll be a case of him being promised minutes by Arteta to try and keep him to stay. But they've spent a shed load of money as well, and we'll need to recoup, recoup, uh, recoup some. We could bid for him, he'll want to come, but if he'll, he'll find out after the first four or five games in August that he's not going to be a regular starter, he could actually push for a move. So that's what I'm banking on, and I'd love us to get him for the reasons I've mentioned so many times before. Yeah, uh, Tom, that covers your question uh, about where we need to strengthen. And I think Eddie Howe said it in his press conference as well, Tom, that um, essentially... He sees, uh, you know, at least uh, one, if not two more players coming in. Um, Livermento, of course, you know, across the line uh, now and, and medical probably done and just waiting for the big announcement. But, uh, yeah, it won't be up front, Tom. It'll certainly be, uh, you know, another defensive, um, you know, recruitment, I would say. John Askew says, Alex Murphy looks a fine prospect, looked at home yesterday and prevented a certain equaliser. Another Youngster coming through, which um, you know is another name which we, we may have to get used to. Mitch, I thought Ian Miley really didn't look out of place. You know, you, you, yes, okay, it's pre season, yeah, okay, Fiorentina probably weren't going full tilt, etc. etc. Um, but neither of them looked out of place at all. I thought, um, uh I, I, I thought he looked very comfortable on the ball as well. You know, at, at times they played some good stuff in, in my own uh, defensive third and pinged it around quite comfortably. And he was in the centre of it and didn't didn't shy away from the ball. He actually come and asked for the ball on occasion um, and looked very, very comfortable. I think uh, um, obviously having somebody like Trippier alongside you probably makes things a little easier because he's probably in your area constantly keeping you right positionally and what have you, but you still got to have the skill to back that up. And I thought you looked very comfortable indeed. Your thoughts, Stu? I thought Alex Murphy in America, he, I think he was foot perfect and the confidence in him, you know, that means he's got the confidence in his own ability and he, he feels he belongs on that stage. And I uh, understand from yesterday's game, which I didn't see, he was playing on the right side of centre-back and he's left-footed, and he, he come through that again. So I think he's one of these that will will get more minutes as the season goes on, and he could be the answer in a year's time, couldn't he, for who replaced the shot? They might not need to go out and spend a fortune. He can have him and Lascelles understudies at the moment, and, you know, rotate them if and when the, the need's there. And, and Murphy, I think, if he's good enough, will come through. But for Miley, I was having a discussion with someone yesterday and I don't think I've seen someone with an aura and confidence about them at that age since Paul Gascoigne. Now, he's a different type of player, but the fact is he's in that team and he's demanding the ball and he's, he's not scared to make the pass, you know, because he believes he can do it. Uh, and I think he is Premier League ready, but of course, with his age, you don't want to give him too much too soon in case it breaks him. And I, and I think he's got a perfect manager to to ease him in and I think he's going to play a big part in our, in our squad this season 
uh, and beyond. And I think we said it last week as well. Both Beamich said him and Anderson could save us hundred million in transfers. So I'm happy for both that we're part of the squad. Yeah, something we haven't seen for a long time. Youth coming in and looking good, says uh, Blue Rhythm Boy. Um, more questions coming in. Blue Rhythm Boy also says, thoughts on Tonali in pre-season? He says, some seem to have rushed to judgment, saying he hasn't uh, cut it. Uh, way too early for me for talk like that, in my opinion. Plus, he's shown quality in the game so far. Um, it, it's it's always difficult for a player to come in, but not at his quality. I mean, this guy is... is Different gravy, uh, isn't he, Mitch? To be fair, and uh, those people, I'm sure, will be eating their words in a couple of days' time. I don't know how anyone can make a judgment like that in what we've seen so far. <coughs> um, I think that's that's to use an old school phrase, absolute poppycock. Really, is just what a load. Um, Mitch is even because he knows my man's listening. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> might be, may you know that may be part of my decisions at the moment. Um, but yeah, it, I cannot believe somebody would write a fifty million pound player off after two or three preseason games, and with some of which he hasn't played the full ninety minutes thereof. Um, no, I, I, I haven't even seen what is ultimately going to be my first, my f- first eleven together yet. You've got no idea what's going on on the training pitch and how they're performing together there. So, yeah, just chill, everyone. Everybody's very impatient at the minute. We seem to want everything yesterday. Transfers and this and that. And it's both at the club and away from the club, you know. Everything seems to be a rushed decision at the moment for reasons known only to the people who want it to be happening like yesterday. Even the transfer window, like I said earlier on, is it shut yet? Come and have a conversation with me about the transfer window and whether it's been successful once it's shut. And then we'll decide on the transfer window. I still think we could have surprises to happen towards the end of the window as opportunities become available. They've actually told me we're going to be opportunistic in the transfer market. That means we're going to be active right up to the last bloody minute. So everybody just needs to chill a bit. Enjoy the ride. You know, enjoy the journey. Everybody seems so keen to get to the destination. Just enjoy the way, enjoy going along the way. Uh, Alan says, I thought I saw signs yesterday of Tonali setting in. Quality starting to the show. Thank you, Alan. Uh, Stu, I mean, Tonali is he is going to be rather special, I'm afraid. Anyone writing him off now needs uh, probably bigger glasses than mine. Uh, he, is a, he was a quality player. Look what he's achieved so far in the game already. Uh, and I think he's a both bang on. He just needs to get Premier League speed up, to, uh, and he, he'll get that. That's why I think he won't start next week, and he'll be phased in. Uh, just like exactly what they did with Bruno, and they say patience is a virtue. And with someone like that, we will get the benefit of him. And with the management team and the coaching staff in place, he's in the right place with the right people, and he's he's going to have a huge season for us. I think he makes a big, big difference. To where we finished last season, if you add that quality, and again, I've, I've bigged up Sean Longstaff before saying I think he'll start, but if you add to all his quality to what Sean Longstaff did, then that to me is worth an extra five or six points at least over the course of a season, which then puts us third. So I, anyone who's writing them off is, is either, to me, that they're a Macam or there's someone who's just trying for clickbait. 
Yeah, I would agree. Um, my YouTube channel, I said I would go for Solanke from Bournemouth. Uh, Tim, was, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I don't think they're going to go for for players like that. It's defensive, de defensive, rec you know, players now are, are what they're going to bring in. I think there could be another fullback. Um, Eddie wants, you know, another one in, maybe another another two. But um, we will have to wait and see. And as Mitch says, you know, the transfer window is open until the 1st of September. Blue Rhythm Boy says, where does Livramento sign and leave Ashby? He's already in his 20s, so I can't see him getting in now. Things change quickly. Yeah, it's an interesting one, this, isn't it? I mean, clearly they've had a look at him, Mitch. They, they, they've, they've, they've seen him in action. They've seen him train. Uh, got the goal at Rangers, of course, um, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, he, he likes to get forward, likes to score goals. But clearly maybe they're seeing something in, in him that, that, that they think maybe a season elsewhere, like Elliot Anderson did. It's never a detrimental no. thing to go on loan. No, um, you can get games. He's on loan at Swansea, so he's going to obviously get, get games there and develop. We there's there's only so much room, and Eddie said he wants a relatively tight squad, so there's only so much room to develop from within, and some need to be developed elsewhere. Find the right right club for him, and that that seems to me to have been my problem of late, is finding the right clubs for people. Yeah, you mean loan um, players like Darren Kowal going to Hearts, not getting any game time. Yeah, and you, you know I think that's the the key, but Ashby. As we've talked about with Livermore, is he is he really seen as a right fullback, or does Eddie see him as pushing further up the pitch? And in Ashby and Livermore, could that could be our right side in two or three years' time? That could be our right back and our right our right winger. So you, you you don't know what the plans are, and you don't know how these things work out. So I guess we'll go back to trusting the process and let it play out and see where we go. Um, we're not. I mean, Chelsea have made a fortune buying young players, loaning them out, and then selling them on. Sometimes never having kicked the ball for Chelsea. So why, if it's source for the goose, it's source for the gander. Why shouldn't we be able to do that as well? You know. Mm. I was Ashby's just going to say Ashby's yeah. an interesting one, isn't it, Stu? Go on. Yeah, just what Steve Middlesbrough said there uh, on the on the bottom. The we, everyone we sign as a youth isn't going to be starting for the first team in the next two or three years. It's about bringing them on, developing them and, and making money. And as, as Mitch has just said there, Chelsea have made an art of it over the last 10, 15 years. So Ashby, for one, if you see all these interviews, the one thing he's not lacking is confidence. Uh, and the fact he's went to Swansea, who do like to play football. And, and I think this could be a good loan move for him. And it'll give him minutes in a more physical league. And hopefully his quality shines through. And he has a big season, similar to what Elliot Anderson did at Bristol Rovers. It'll benefit us. And even if he doesn't make it and Livermento becomes the the fallback to, to Trippier, then what did we spend on him? Three million? You could easily get 10 million from anywhere. So don't want to write the lad off. But at the same time, we're not going to lose by buying young quality and developing them. And not everyone, as I said, that we buy will become in the first team. Especially when you have like the likes of Miley and Anderson and stuff like that, it's it doesn't happen. There's there's no team that is successful that that just relies solely on on the youth players coming through. I know Man United did when Alan Hansen said that thing back in the day, but they already had established players in the team, and I don't think you're going to get a group of players like that come through ever again. It, it was a one-off similar well, to Leicester in the league, and those kids had already done year on loan at Preston. Year on yeah. loan in Belgium, they'd already done that. 
That's right. Yeah, there were kids, but there weren't raw kids. There weren't people just plucked straight out the reserves and into the first team. This is how you develop them. Yeah, and if, they, if they're good enough, they will make. And if they're not good enough, they've increased the value, which, again, better than us, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Top Bobby, thanks very much, mate. Yeah, the 83, 84, uh, those were the days went live yesterday with uh, myself and George. Uh, everyone's got a, a game that the you know they make their, their appearance at St James's Park for the first time. Yours was Derby and uh, fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Great recollection that, of that Keegan promotion season. Ifty on Twitter as well. Um, just wanted to know: Do you think we're looking at any right centre backs coming in after Livermento, especially with Fabian Cher ruled out um, yesterday? He could play today, of course. Ifty uh, will he be ready for the season opener next week? Uh, yeah, it's a defensive incoming. I think, Mitch. You know, we, we haven't got a crystal ball. We don't have a hotline to the club. We can only predict uh, what we think will happen. But judging by Eddie's press conference, there's not a forward player coming in. We're fine in midfield. If the, if he gets another player in, it's going to be a defensive one. The the name in centre backs that keeps cycling round is Anderson from Crystal Palace. Now I'll follow that up with. That from Barry, who says, what do you guys think of Anderson from Crystal Palace? Right. Is he the answer at centre-back? Well, I tell you what, from what I saw of him last season, he's a regular little shithouse, so he'd fit in perfectly. Yeah. He's got that bit of niggly, nasty, skullduggery, stand on your heel, poke your eye when the referee's not looking, kind of sight to him. Um, he didn't look... Um, well, he didn't not look like a Premier League player every time I saw him play last season. And whereas the young English centre-back got all the praise, I think he seemed to be doing all the donkey work and all the grafting. Um, not sure whether that's where we really need to strengthen, because everybody seems to chuck um, Lascelles on the, on the scrap heap. And he, he barely got a look in last season, and that wasn't his fault. That was the form of everybody else. And when he did look, get a good look in, he didn't let her down. Um, picked up two fantastic yellow cards from the touchline as well. And, and you know, and played his part. And so, um, I think it would be... I think I would find it unusual for it to bring a right-sided centre-back in when we've got the cells there ready just to drop in. The, the, the one thing that we're maybe... And the problem with bringing a left full-back in We've actually got three people who can play there in Target, Burn and Dummett in the squad. So, again, we're then overloading that position. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be curious to know exactly what Eddie wants in terms of additions there. Um, maybe it is another right-sided centre-back because of all the other centre-back options seem to be left-sided. Left the key, the key, the key is seasons don't often pan out the way you expect them to, and um, you know, an injury changes the course of people's seasons. You know what I mean? It changes yeah. the course of the team season, also changes the course of a person season. And you know, Dan Byrne, who we we know that Eddie Seasel is, is a left back, is also very comfortable playing on the left side of that centre half position. So you know, you just don't know what's going to happen throughout the season. And um, you know, Paul Dummett, as you say, can can play across the back line. The key words versatility which Eddie Howe's used, you know, you have to be able to play in, in you know, it's it's great that he's signing players who can play in numerous positions. Liveramento is just as happy going forward as he is defending. Um, you know, another another good signing. Uh, Trippier can play on the left. Okay, it's not his strongest position, but he can play there equally 
you know, pretty much as well as he can on the right. He's done it for England. So it's it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, you know, who who else to bring in? But, you know, if Shaw is out today, someone's saying that he could he could miss today, he's not quite ready in the chat, then that's, you know, it, it will be a concern, Stu, going into the season, you know, that that that, that is a slight weakness in the squad if, if one or, or the other gets injured, him or Botman. Yeah, if he's not quite ready today, it doesn't mean he won't be ready next week. No, no, of uh, course not. And, and that's happened before because it's been tested and proven, isn't it, that Eddie Howe likes he's settled back four. Yeah. But although I agree with Mitch that we might be overloaded with left-backs, the common theme that we've seen is when we're buying players, they're an upgrade on what we've got. Uh, and if you're wanting someone to, to complement what Trippier does on the right, on the left, we don't have it. And Burn, Burn's not capable of doing it. Target's not capable of doing it. And to me, if you had, and again, we mentioned Tierney, but him with Bonds down the left long-term throughout the season uh, and switching Gordon to the right long-term, uh, and that's what you've got. You've got pace. And because of the position we're in now, teams will be setting up against us differently. And we will carry that respect for what we achieved last season. So we will be on the front foot more. So we do need more attack-minded fullbacks than your standard like Dummett who will sit at left back and, and not move. Dan Byrne can get forward, but he's he's not the best crosser of the ball. Target sometimes gets caught out of possession. I mean, they're all great seven out of ten players, but what we need to go to the next level is an eight out of ten player. Now, whether that be Tini or someone else, uh, I think the scouting network shows that the the will. Use the pardon the pun, but they will target any any player that they think will fit, not just with the team but with the squad, and that's why I'm reluctant to think that they'll bring in a right centre back. That Anderson, I don't think he has the pace for what we need. We've got plodders there anyway. When if we're bringing the right side of centre back in, it would have to be someone with that burst of pace to to help out. Uh, but also with. Lascelles being the club captain and they've got this leadership group he's a big part of what goes on not just on the pitch or in the change room but on the training ground as well and if he was then if someone come in to be Shaw's replacement ahead of him in other terms it demotes him doesn't it which then in turn it has to demotivate him which could have a knock-on effect as well so there'll be a lot of decisions, a lot of thoughts going into any decision on on if they're going to get a right side and centre back. But for me, I, I don't think they need it. Shaw's he hasn't got a long term injury, has he? You know, he's, he's got a niggle that they they want to nurse back in gently. So when he does come back in, he'll be playing as consistently well. And I and I still think his contribution last season was hugely underrated. Some of the the long passes he's did to to cut out the midfield. The, one of the best examples was the, the pass he did for Joe Linton against Tottenham. It was right on his foot. I know Tottenham there, Joe Linton did fantastic control for the finish. But these are the sort of passes, and it's not the first time he did it. You know, there, there was, it's obviously something they work on in training where he, he, they say, right, when you're in this position, that person makes the run. You know, it's, it's, it goes back to the old ticket tacker that Wenger was trying to do with Arsenal. As soon as you've got the ball, you've got to have at least two or three options. And then it's not just what's around you within 10 yards. It could, the option could be 40, 50 yards away if someone's making the right move. And Shaw's capable of doing that. Uh, and I think they've, they've maximised his passing range and everything else. And yes, he's, you know, it's, it's a running joke, isn't it? Within 20 minutes, he's on the ground, either with a head injury or holding his leg or something like that. But that could also be tactical as well, yeah. you know, to give people a breather. Because they all seem to take turns with, well, it be Nick Pope will have a little lie down or 
you know, it seems to be the more senior members of the squad who think, right, we need ways a team need a timeout. And I, I just think Shaw's the master of it. And once he's fit, he'll be all right centre-back for the rest of the season. Yeah, Les, I would agree with you. Target did uh, do okay yesterday, and Eddie did look pleased with him. I think, um, I think Mitch, look, Mitch has called it. He th- he believes that Target would start next week. I'd love to see him start. He was my favourite player, you know, alongside Trippier when um, when when Eddie came in, and he, he did a fantastic job keeping us up in the Great Escape season. Unlucky with injury, unlucky with Burns' form, unlucky to be out on his on his backside sitting on the bench. Has he done enough? Only time will tell, and we'll find out next week. And the irony yesterday of tickets going digital but payments being cash only. Uh, we did all have a little laugh at that, I'm sure. Um, hopefully, uh, the, the the problems that they had yesterday won't be as bad today and people who go up to the ground uh, get in with uh, with no issues. But uh, I do fear for a bit of chaos against Aston Villa. I do worry about how that's going to happen next week. Um, but we'll come to that after the break. A big thanks to all our sponsors, Skips and Bins. You can find them at skipsandbins.com or telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Big thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources Handmade in Cumbria. You can order them from their website, mrvickys.co.uk or by telephone on 01768 210 102. A big thanks also to New Workwear. Uh, you can find them at newworkwear.com. They are an agile and dedicated workwear provider. Welcome back as well to United Travel. Uh, they are a UK coaches firm and they are based in uh, the Northeast. They've got 2024 tours and you can contact them on 01670 632. 460 or mobile 0791 4174 Email info at com, and they've got a website which is unitedgrouptravel.com. There's no strangers on there to us, just people you haven't met yet. Big thanks to them for their sponsorship. Big thanks as well to Media Arts and they supply all the video technology. If you want to become a member and get a cup, a pen, a membership card and a scarf, then get your smartphone and put it over this QR code. It will take you straight to the membership pack. It's a £25 one-off fee. You can also go to NUFC Matters website and search membership pack to book today. If you want to help the channel, then subscribe to it by hitting the subscribe button. Hit the thumb up under the video to like the video and click share to share to your other social media. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast providers. Don't forget, we help the food bank on this channel. If you want to do so virtually, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and make a donation today. The Alan Sheila raffle is back on. 150 tickets, £1 a ticket, win a limited edition, signed, Alan Shearer Ball. End of the day at nufcmatters.com. Okay, we don't want to drag our feet on this, but um, you know, the 
the trip to St James's Park is usually a faultless one. Uh, Stu, I'll come to you first on this. You, you, you know, the Seller Cup, you're over for the weekend. Um, you know, the, there's always going to be teething problems when you bring in a new system, the digital system, whether you're, you're not compass with technology, whether you haven't got a smartphone, whatever. There, there, is, there is ways to solve all these problems. But it, it must have been a bit of a nightmare yesterday, especially if you were a kid at the game. You know, you've gone along, you haven't got any, you haven't got any cash, you've gone with a card, you know, and, and, and then suddenly you find you can't do it. It's... I don't want to dwell on this too much. It's just teething problems. And, and luckily, it happened, I guess, yesterday when we weren't at full capacity. Let's hope, I guess, today they can iron out any more problems and, and go with it. But what, what was it like, Stu? You know, was, was it chaos, as everybody was describing? Some people were talking about biblical queues as if you were queuing to get on the ark and cash points in the town. And people people exaggerate, Stu. Um, what was it actually like yesterday for you? I wasn't there yesterday. I was at the window. Oh, right, OK. Well, that's the point. Is asking you then? No, but I'm good. Yeah, I've, I've read about it, and I know people who were there. The the one thing I still can't get my head around is is why the decision was made where everything had to be digital. You know, it could have been optional. You know, and that way you've you've pleased everyone. So you don't know if it's inept decision making or if it's genius decision making, where they make a rick and then quickly backtrack to go with the the public flow and then think. Oh yes, they were a club that's listening just to get what they wanted in the first place. You know, they went too over the thing, but it's it's actually comical in a sad way that you have to have digital to get in, and then once you're in late last season, you couldn't pay cash, but now you, you can only pay cash. And like, who who thinks is up? And if this was in the Mike Ashley era, it would be there would be protests and everything. But it seems to be that the owners are getting a pass with everything because they are doing a lot of things right. But and I'm sure it's Mitch that said it doesn't mean you can't be critical when they do things wrong. They, they need to know where they can improve. Any business needs to know where it can improve. And the best way of doing that is getting feedback from your customer or consumer. And hopefully all we support us from a business perspective, we are consumers of the of their product. And if you're taking the emotion out of it and just hard hitting as it is. So on that on that basis, if if people are, are told that you've got to take what happens if today you have to take you can only take a card or sorry you take cash and fixed it and it's back to just cards only. You know yeah. there should all be the, the this this the time of where we are now the as in the twenty first century we should have options for both. It shouldn't be one or the other, and that should be with the tickets on once you're inside the ground. They want people; they would have lost the fortune yesterday because they had to hurry up and give people passes to get back in and stuff, didn't they? So that in it, that in itself shows it wasn't thought out well, and was it a case of too many people were in America on a jolly when they should have been here doing that? The people who should have been in America should have been the players, the coach, and stuff, and quite possibly people like Darren Neils, who's got he's towing the water over there and knows where to do. But the, the backroom stuff and the, the especially the technical side, when they knew they were going to make such sweeping changes towards how the ticketing process was working, they should have been, sorry to me, they should have been in Newcastle and making sure doing trial and errors. And this seller cup shouldn't be a trial and error because you get people going there for the very first time, taking the kids for the very first time. And first impressions, you only get one opportunity to make a, a good first impression. And if you're standing there as a young eight-year-old lad or six-year-old boy or six, seven-year-old girl or whatever, and, you know, you get, you're probably going because their parents trying to 
show you the right way. You know, this is the club you should be supporting. And if for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, to stick outside the ground listening to the parents swearing because they can't get them in. <laughs> then once they get in, they're saying they're hungry and sorry, yeah. I can't get them to eat because I didn't bring cash because last season it was it was card only. It, it, it does have a, a, a negative effect on how the child would perceive it. But there was some cracking videos on Twitter watching the youngins' faces when they get inside there for the first thing. Yeah, so I saw them. Some there. great ones. There's positives for everything and negatives for everything, but it's it needs to, to there have to be more options. I, I still don't get this one that way or no way. Uh, the main my main bugbear is is the tickets. Yeah, if you complain because what they say now is you have to have a smartphone. So what happens if you don't have a smartphone? So not only are you paying seven hundred plus quid for a ticket, you've got to go and spend three hundred quid on a smartphone as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's not right. There's people who don't do it today. Uh, I'm going with the Heed. We're off to meet Messrs. Patterson and Alan. And I've only just got the he the email to download. I didn't even have a Google wallet, or I, I don't even know what it is. You know, so I had to download this app to get me ticket. Now, because my phone's from Bahrain, and I won't have Wi-Fi, will it work when I get the ground? I just presume I just have to press and open it, and it will work. But if it doesn't. Do I have to join this massive biblical queue that you were talking about and say, excuse me, I paid for a ticket, why can't I get in? You know, so it could be, to me, it, it could have been planned better uh, yeah. and it could be avoided. That's the most important thing. It, it, it could and should have been avoided. A couple of you know, comments. Uh, I heard they decided to change all of the payment machines on Friday night. Seems a little crazy one day before friendly game, so it was caused by new machines. Had clearly not been tested on Friday. I'm not sure if that's true, but it's, it, would, it would ring true. Chris Ward says, my old man has no smartphone. Went at the ticket office last week and they issued him a new season ticket card, so they will help older people, thankfully, which uh, is interesting to, to hear. I do think you have to give your, your, your photo ID and I think and, and they keep that on record again. This talk about potentially IDing people, I, how they're going to do that on a match day, I really don't know. They may be able to do spot checks, but you know, I, I think you'd be bloody unlucky if they do that. Uh, Councillor Spenny says you've got a big wad, so I just see him every time. It's, he's talking about you, Stu, there. Uh, uh, I don't know what, what he means when he says wad, because he speaks a different language down where he's from. So <laughs> I hope he's talking about their lump of cash. <laughs> I, yeah, I this... say, but like I say, I was at a family wedding, so it did get reduced a bit. This uh, ticket stuff, um, I don't want to dwell on it too much, Mitch. We've spoke a lot about it on Friday. But, yeah, just it was the irony, wasn't it? Just a bit of, a bit of chaos yesterday yeah. at the turnstiles. Yeah, who would have thought that uh, digital payments would lose the digital ticket, the digital derby, <laughs> digital tickets? Um, I think what it does reflect, though, my, I finished work yesterday and my phone was starting to go and I was getting people getting in touch. Uh, <coughs> not all of the turnstiles worked efficiently yesterday. It seems like a couple of the family turnstiles were, were being awkward with kids getting in with parents. That's not a situation you really want. Again, I guess it's better to get it out of the way here uh, during a friendly than it is to do it on against Villa. Um, but then the whole thing for the whole digital payment thing, something you think that should be nailed on and absolutely, you know, without a doubt. In fact, I, I gather... A lot of places in the ground during the normal season, you can't use cash. It's it's it's, it's digital payment only. Where there's an even bigger irony. Um, I gather it's been put on the shoulders of one individual. Well, that individual um, either needs an assistant or needs to be somebody else's assistant. One or the other. Need help. <laughs> need help in some way, shape, or form. 
But I think what it does reflect, and Stu's touched it on it, um, absolutely everybody in that cat seemed to be on a jolly the US preseason. Mm. Anybody who could go there did go and left an absolute go ship behind. In the run up of the preseason, whilst we're undergoing a digital transformation, and sometimes key people were not there or not interested. I've had a couple of people come to me where they've, they've sent queries in and the answer they got was basically, I'll deal with this when I'm back from the US because I'm too busy planning that. Well, that's not on. Uh, and and, and again, we, we bang on about world-class customer service. We should have world-class customer service. And it's... Um, and it is, you, you do get little quirks, you know, I, I'm not a Luddite, I'm quite happy to go across the digital ticket and it, I just don't understand why it had to be like doing it light speed. Um, it, I was the one, remember, talking about travelling halfway around the world with tickets on my phone and then to get into Wembley, you got given a ticket which you could sail a 22-foot yacht with, you know, and, and it was like... Uh, it did seem a little bit odd, and so that, that is the way to go. But everything seems to be contrived and forced, and I think there's a lot of people feeling um, rubbed up the wrong way by it, quite rightly. <coughs> um, and, and I like how the club have responded in some ways, and in other ways, not so. But uh, um, hopefully, the day will be better than yesterday. And then ultimately, Aston Villa will be even better again for everybody. Yeah, I think I can see why they've done it uh, because of, because of the owners. You know, they like to be market leaders and world leaders. Absolutely, they like to be first. You know, say we are the first Premier League club to be all digital. Uh, that, that's a big statement from from the PIF to be able to have said that we're the first and they like to be first. Well, even said about the team, he wants to be number one. So you can see why they're doing it, but it was to me it was rushed, and as we've touched on, everyone was in America, so there was no communication. And in any change in any industry, communication is the key for it to be successful. And so I said, well, we understand how it works, so we're going to implement it. The people using it need to understand how it works. And although change is is guaranteed in life, and there's always be people that are reluctant to change. You know, it needs to be phased in just like we're talking about the players you know with buying new players they get phased in so something like this could have been right we're going to introduce it now you've got the option to do it but as of next season everyone will have it and then you know it, it gives the people who are hesitant to, to go digital to to get terms with it and they'll be sitting next to the in the ground with people next to them saying well how do you do it you know as as a community as, as Newcastle supporters we help each other you know, and, and that's where you'll get people sitting there saying, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm still using my season ticket. And someone said, no, no, you just do this on your phone and it's easy. And, you know, we'll, we can self-learn each other. But when people, no one likes getting told what to do. And I think that's the top and bottom of it. And it's been yeah. enforced on people with no with no opportunity to, to kick back or to answer. And that's been, to me, uh, an own goal from, from the club. Because they have been very good at listening on, on most subjects, but ticketing is always going to be the biggest issue that we've got now because of the way that we're moving forward. 
uh, but at least give people a choice and then then say it's going to happen, but it's going to happen then. Not it's happening now. If you want your season ticket, you've got to do this. You have to do this. You have to do that and you can't do this. You know, it's it gets away from what they're trying to achieve as being an open, welcoming club. And, and that, I think that's what's caused the most um, anger amongst the families of anger is the right word for it. Uh, how long we got, Stu? Because I know you're going out um, shortish. I mean, uh, do you want to extend? Are you going? We're we doing an hour. What we're we doing? I didn't ask you at the start. Uh, uh, I don't know. I could do another half hour if you want. Right. Okay. Tell Ross. Uh, says my, my season tickets digital got sent to someone else's account. I've managed to download from that person's account. I emailed the club a week ago, and I still haven't heard from them to put it right. Uh, John says, uh, I went to the games yesterday. I found the digital ticket and easy, downloaded the phone, scanned at entry point into Platinum. No issues with signal. I like copy says digital payments are doing very well in some Asian countries. Quite useful when you're short on cash in hand. Um, Councillor Spenny says he blames Apple and Ian blames apples and oranges. Um, <laughs> uh, Albert, Albert flowing with questions this morning. He says, uh, with the demand for tickets, were you surprised for the friendly games this weekend? Weren't sellouts, Mitch. I've got to be honest, the way that they were priced, current climate financially for everybody, big Premier League season coming up, Champions League games to take into consideration. I certainly wasn't. I predicted 30,000 would be there this weekend for that game uh, yesterday. 36,600. I don't think that was bad and the club will have done okay financially out of that. Yeah, you've just answered it, mate. Yes. It's as simple as that. If you... Um... If you are going to introduce something like this, the price point has to be right to get that sellout, particularly in pre-season. I don't like the way some fans are using are weaponizing it against other fans who complain about the ticket prices or not being able to get tickets and say, oh, well, there you go, go to pre-season. Why aren't you filling it up? Go to pre-season. It, it doesn't work like that particularly when they're priced that way. And so I think for me, um, they've probably got the pricing a little bit wrong if they'd wanted to sell out. In reality, it's probably a damn good job. It wasn't a sellout with the chaos for the payments and things yesterday. Um, but uh, it's it's about balance. They're trying to balance it. I, I think getting two games in a day on one ticket is good value anyway. You go... But, you know, you've heard me and my dad talk about the one Gamba trophy at Barcelona. The biggest yeah. difference there, those tickets were muck cheap. They, they weren't terribly expensive tickets. And I think that's that's maybe where they need to get the balance right. Yeah. Uh, JJB made a point earlier as well. His girlfriend's from Colombia and couldn't download onto an Apple wallet for the ticket yesterday. Uh, he also says, bear in mind as well, the tickets can only be downloaded to one account. For example, if there's two of you, uh, your tickets can only be sent to one person. Then that person has to send it to the other by WhatsApp. Yeah, it, it, it's the rush of this system coming in was crazy. They should have given everyone the option of a plastic season ticket this season, but said if you're more comfortable and you, you can use the technology, do it, and then bring it in next season. It, 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 I just don't know who on earth came up with the idea of rushing it through. But yes, uh, Stu, the, uh, the friendly games, you know... I, I still think 36,600 for a friendly is phenomenal. Um, I think the point that people were trying to make was, you know, if there's such a clamour for tickets, if we need some people saying 100,000 seat a stadium, new stadium, it's quite clear we don't because ultimately for me, I just think, you know, 
you know, rein your horses in a little bit, you know, with, you know, and new and new additions to the ground would be beneficial first, I think, and then go from there. But yeah, thirty six thousand six hundred. It's it's a good amount, isn't it? I'm not surprised that it didn't sell out though. Yeah, I think sometimes um, people will vote with their feet, and for, for it might not just be financial reasons; it might be personal reasons or their their opinion. Now, had they priced it, had it been a friendly game like today versus Villarreal, and it was twenty quid a ticket, ten for kids, would that sell out? It would get actually, it would get in the forty odd thousands, and then it's deemed as a success. But because they've done the cup where you get the two games, you know, again, you could think outside the box or think it just be practical. The Newcastle games on second, it's twenty quid a game, uh, twenty quid a ticket to get to that. But as an advantage, if you want to watch the first game, you just pay an extra tenner or an extra fiver. And you get that because people are good to watch Newcastle. They don't want to go and watch Nice versus whoever. You know, it's Newcastle that we support. It's Newcastle that we're going to see. So they've packaged it in a way where the only way you're going to get value is to sit inside the ground for longer to get value for your ticket. Because if not, it becomes 30 quid for a friendly. So you can see why people don't see that as good value. Where twenty quid for a friendly is acceptable, I would imagine in today's uh, climate. So that's where I think they, they've made an error. But thankfully, it wasn't twenty quid all in because you might have had more people in the ground yesterday starving, and then more people having to go out on passes to get back in, and the queues would have been bigger and everything else. But I think, I think sometimes in, in this new age of, I mentioned the phrase "think outside the box," and that I think that's what the. Certain people at the club are trying to do just to impress the paymasters. Look, I'll think of this rational, uh, sorry, uh, radical new idea. Well, why don't you try what's been tested and proven? And and right, we know that works. You know, it, sometimes the simple answers are always uh, the easiest. Sort of easiest answers are the simple ones. But the the solutions are there. But if you think outside the box, sometimes you have to remember the things inside the box as well. And. It, this is where it all it all gets to me. It's all entangled in the same web, where you have the the tickets, the digitals, the the kiosks, and, and everything else that that comes with it. The memberships. It's because people are trying too hard to to make a good impression, rather than actually just doing the job properly and then adding things to it. Uh, and if you want to face things in, do that. Don't give people uh, at least give people a choice. Not this all or nothing, uh, because that. We, you know yourselves, especially you, Mitch, when you were doing the, uh, when you started the trust and we were up and down the the coast just uh, just about every other night. You know, speaking of fan base, is the phrase that's always attached that is herd and cats. Newcastle fans worldwide, we've seen it in Dubai. We would yeah. sit in one barn. We'd we'd know Newcastle fans. We'd socialise with them. We'd go out and socialise with them. We'd try and come to our bar and watch the game. No, we'd go to this bar. So then they'd say, let's come, come to this ball. But now we're happy to go to that one. You know, so no one, especially Newcastle, was stubborn. We don't like getting told what to do. And it took a long, long time for a Dubai supporters club to, to get formed. Uh, and this is what's happening to me with the tickets is people voting with their feet. You're telling me I've got to spend 30 quid for a friendly. You know, there, there's a there's an old joke in the family where uh, my granddad went to watch a hard Hibs game and he only put half the money down because he said he didn't want to watch Hibs. He just wanted to watch Hearts at the turnstile. And, and that, but taking that into today's context, that's what people want to do here. They want to watch Newcastle, so they'll pay 20 quid to watch Newcastle in the friendly. But in reality, they're getting charged 30 quid to watch Newcastle today because I won't be going in the ground until the Newcastle game starts. 
and I've got no inclination to watch the other two teams and then sit there for an hour doing what? You know, and then waiting for Newcastle to come on. So that's, to me, yes, it's a seller cup. And the last time Newcastle won a trophy was uh, when me and Mitch were in Riyadh and we were sat next to, or stood next to the other time when the presentation was getting done with Darren Neils. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I put this top on today, Mitch, because I had it on that day as well. Uh, so it's a lucky trophy winning top. So next time we're at Wembley, I'll have to wear this instead of the stripes. So there's, there's there's so much positives going on about the club. But when we have something that needs discussing, when we have something that needs commenting on, it doesn't mean that we're being negative. It's it's just putting out a different option there or letting people sound out. Because if we just sit there and nod like lemons all the time, yeah, 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 you're doing everything wonderful. These people will never, ever think that, what they're doing is wrong and that can cause bigger disasters further down the line think if it needs to be challenged people should be challenging it and 36,000 for friendly fantastic but I guarantee you would have been near a full house if it was 20 quid a ticket just for a Newcastle game yeah I agree uh, there was some um, uh, message sent to us on our WhatsApp by uh, Steve Hasty. he was interesting uh, that we uh, I've given you you guys uh, Time to have a little look at it. It's a bit difficult to take it all in. PIF establishes SRJ Sports Investments Company to elevate sports sector in Saudi Arabia and MENA. And uh, just the, the bullet points at the start, it says, SRJ Sports Investments will focus on assets with high growth potential in Saudi Arabia and the MENA region. The new company will bolster opportunities in the Saudi sports sector through investments in rights holders, fan engagement, and IP acquisition and creation. Now, they were, some of us who aren't as, uh, you know, as clued up on, um, you know, the, the Saudis and, and the way they do business, it's, it's a good opportunity to get you two guys in and just to, just to give us kind of an indication as to what all this actually means. Is it is it something that could benefit the football club? Is it something that they might be uh, scrutinised by the Premier League and the cartel? What, what's, your, what's your thoughts on, on that, Mitch? Hosting and developing... Uh... The one that that gets me is is the 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 rights holders and and hosting tournaments, and that's things like bringing uh, perhaps around the Premier League games to the region, or bringing the FA Cup final to the region. Um, that would be the one thing. I know. I'm, going, I'm just thinking what would they like to do they've already done it with um, the Copa del Rey they've had the Copa del Rey in the region it was Salah who that had that and the Italian Cup was there um, they're obviously looking bigger than that uh, but they're also looking at interestingly fan engagement get getting fans to come to Saudi well there's got to be some care for them to come to and also, yeah. it's not limiting it to Saudi. It's talking about the MENA region. It's talking about the wider Middle East and North Africa. That's for anybody who doesn't know where MENA is, Middle East and North Africa. It's basically bringing it all to the Arab world. Now, this could also be your first step in investing in big in sports, for example. And starting to, you know, have an influence on the broadcast rates in the region. Uh, there's a lot of things that this company could look at and do with regards of all this. It's a very open-ended acquisition. Uh, but also, they're not just talking about acquisition, they're talking about developing their own too. 
So, um, yeah, it's something that Newcastle United they could be part of along the road. Wouldn't surprise us. Um, it's all part of that bigger picture about bringing about sport being part of Vision Twenty Thirty going forward. Um, I think it's a case of watch this space. Mm, very interesting. What did you make of it, Stu? I know I haven't had much time to read it, but um, I've, I've had a quick flick through, and the Chronicle have jumped on it now uh, quite quickly as well. But uh, yeah, I've, yeah. What, what's your thoughts? I, I think it's more simple than that. We've, we've seen like the WWE go there. We've seen the boxing go there. There's there's been the odd football game as Mitch has just mentioned there. What this SRG thing is, SRG, sorry, is. It's a to me. It's a forming of, of a body. Is say that's the umbrella it's going to be under. So every new sporting event will be under the SRG banner. SRG banner will be given it. So its own name. So people it becomes familiar. It'll be growth. Uh, yes, they'll be wanting to expand it, but I think this is where the the money that's been going into buying the players is to make Saudi. Unless you're living in the region or, or you're very familiar with it, I don't think yeah, you'll, you'll grasp how important this 2030 is to Saudi Arabia. Uh, and they really want the World Cup there. And that's why they'd be looking to twin it with other countries. And uh, when you say the MENA region, that brings Egypt into it. So, you know, you, you could be looking at joint bids like that uh, or even having Abu Dhabi. They, they could even bring Qatar into it because they do have the, the stadium there. So it's it's something that they want Saudi Arabia to be branded in a way, and I'm trying not to use the term sports washing because what they are trying to do is, is make the nation fitter for a start. And if more people are interested in sports, they're, they're more likely to become active participants in sport uh, because diabetes is a big thing in Saudi Arabia. I know, I know it's quite... Uh, a different subject to talk about, but by having all these elite athletes there, it creates heroes. And we, if you went back to Saudi 20 years ago, none of this would have been possible. None of it would have been imaginable even, never mind possible. So when you've got people like Ronaldo playing there, you see the kids at school, like, I want to be like Ronaldo. I want to be like this player. I want to be like that player. And then when they, they create these events to bring the world's best into their country, again, it's a knock-on effect. But the long-term plan is to make it sustainable, but they understand the ethos of having to spend money to make money. And if it's all under the SRG umbrella, then at least it becomes familiar to those. So it's another SRG event. Uh, and Seller will fall in that category. Seller is part of that group. But I'm absolutely certain because they are owned by PF anyway. And as you see, the sun's shining through, and now I've got my head cut in about six parts on the... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of the swimming, the swimming you look like. I'm trying to think what it is. It is it? Um, God, I don't know. There's there's a program. It'll come back. It's it'll going come to back. Be it will that was my quick when I looked through what Steve said on the group. It was like, okay, yeah. they're just they're just trying to get it all under the same umbrella. Rather, it's that sporting company doing that, that events company doing that. It'll all be then under SRG, which means again, my understanding of that means they've got other things in their pipeline where it's going to be pushed quite extensively in the next few years. And it'll be, become a brand that everyone is familiar with worldwide. And if you're getting worldwide recognition for doing quality sports events, that's not a bad thing, is it? No, 
Definitely not. Barry Hogan says, disappointed that Hall looks to be going to Crystal Palace on loan from Chelsea. Get the impression Chelsea didn't want to deal with us. Do you think that's the case, uh, Mitch? Do you think Chelsea and Newcastle have got a bit of beef? Because it wasn't no. so long ago that Todd Bowley was standing there with a the man, Ramir Dad, uh, schmoozing them at the, uh, at, the, at the Stamford Bridge ground. And I would say that's probably way to the mark. I think so. Um, if you have a young man, he's got an opportunity to go on loan somewhere. And he can stay in London. He doesn't have, and there's no upheaval, there's no change to personal life. Um, and you'd respect anybody making that decision. It is what it is. But we're ever really in for him as well. That's the next question. I think if we go in for players, players will automatically be interested to come and play. I think there's enough hype generated around. Where there's enough hype generated around Eddie Howe that any player worth his salt would want to think about coming. And so uh, you always have to take a pinch of salt with some of these reports. Were we ever really in for him or not? It's funny, I was just about to say, stick some nails on your head, you look like Hellraiser. That's what it was. That's what it was, Hellraiser. I was trying to think of what he looked like, and that's what it was. Yeah, well, good shout. Good I, shout. I'm I was glad I'm meeting John Allen in a couple of hours because he hasn't got time to do a T-shirt and present it to us. My face on Hellraiser. So that was probably uh, back again. I was said that. Jordy Tumalife says, uh, Tyler Adams, 20 million release close. For me, as a squad player, at that price, you can't go wrong and he'll make us bigger in the USA. Thoughts on that one, lads? Not for me. I, I think anyone who comes in now has to be good enough to play straight away. And Tyler Adams, just as Jordy Tumalife said there, he'd be a squad player. And we've got squad players in those roles who yeah. already understand everything. It would be a waste of 20 million. That's just my opinion. Want to hazard a guess uh, as to what the list is up to that Barry Hogan's been compiling um, with uh, all the uh, potential links on? 230. Oh, what? 230, said Mitch. What did you say? 240. 240. It's actually, hold on. I actually got it spot on, apparently, this week on one of the shows. I said it was a roundabout, but it was 215. That's where we're at at the moment. So, still a couple of weeks to go. Uh, we'll say how many? Three. Yeah. Exactly. That tells you what the transfer window is all about, uh, 100%. Uh, Ian says, uh, in years to come, when we're all playing £5 million for a season ticket, but we're winning literally everything, <laughs> will we really be bothered? £5 million? Um, Not 260 Tom, uh, but uh, close but no cigar. Um, Simon says, uh, I've always clicked the like button every show. It feels rude not to. After you lads put the effort in to do the shows, never once clicked it. Thank you, uh, Simon. Uh, that's uh, much appreciated. Okay, uh, Barry says, uh, Stu, what can you tell us about young Scottish starlet Ryan One? Is he one for the future? Never heard of him. Ryan One. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a trick question. Sounds like a Star Wars character, doesn't it? He does, yeah. He does. I really don't uh, know who Ryan One is. Sorry. It's like that. Getting people yeah. with the Dutch defender vast deference. Oh, we've had a, we've had plenty <laughs> of them. We've had plenty of those attempts on this show. Uh, would you take RB Salzburg defender Umar Sole and Mitch? Um, haven't don't know enough about him to say yes or no. Uh, it's a name I'm aware of, but I genuinely don't know enough about him. Uh, yeah, he, he can't be a mug. He's he's at Salzburg. He can't they they do churn out some decent players. Uh, but yeah, can't say I know enough about him to even give a, a valid opinion, and I won't uh, won't waffle one either. 
know anything about him, Stu? No, same answer as Mitch. Yeah, same as same here as well. I'm, as people know, my uh, you know my knowledge on uh, European football is, is not great. It plays for Hamilton. He's a young star. That is uh, Ryan One, by the way, from, uh, from Barry. Do you think the formation changes going forward? We don't want to become too predictable, says Neil. Um, Mitch? Tweaks rather than big changes. That's what I would say. I think Eddie seems pretty set on his idea of how he likes likes with the play. Um, I think it just need tweaks depending on which uh, personnel he's dropping into those uh, into that that starting eleven. Versatility is what we've talked about, Stu. Um, does he change his formation a great deal, though? No, I don't think so because you've got the players that can interchange anyway. We've seen that with someone that's never been mentioned today, um, Joe Willock. I think people have forgot about him already, but he'll be back in the, in the next what, six weeks or so. He'll be back. We've seen how well him and Joe Linton interchange down the left. And, and you're going to get it where if the front three start, as I suspect it will, once we're settled and once everyone's Eddie Howe fits, and I think his preferred lineup would be you're not going to buy Bonds not to play him. Uh, you know what I mean? So I think he's going to be playing on the on the left with Isaac in the middle and Gordon on the right. But then you have people like Miggy who will offer something different to Gordon because if Gordon's going down the right-hand side and hitting the byline all the time, Miggy comes on and then wants to cut in onto his left, it, it gives the full-back something more difficult to think about. The same with Barnes, if he's replaced by Willock or Joe Linton or whoever goes on to replace him, Murphy, you know, there's, there's so many different options there. And, and they're all forward-thinking but football players as well who have the work ethic that Eddie Howe demands, not request, he demands it. So if someone runs themselves silly for 60 minutes, he knows the next person coming on for the next 30-plus minutes will run themselves silly as well. It's like, it's like having 15, 16 players every game. Uh, so you don't have the eleven starters anymore. You'll have you'll have a core of sixteen to eighteen players who will get regular game time. Then there'll be three or four who will get the odd minutes, and then you'll you'll have the people out there, the Dummets and Matt Ritchies, who will be there, say in a glass break in case of emergency. Uh, and I think that's that's what you need for the the, the squad. You, you can't have twenty five players all capable of being in the first eleven because that's when you get an unsettled squad. Uh, at this stage of our of our progress, so I think they've got the balance right. And will we be predictable? I don't think so. I, I think because we've got the the players with the their own skill set there, where you can change it and tweak it to make a game. Even in midfield, you could play any of those three that the the favourite three, which would be Joe Linton, Bruno, and Tonali. Any of them could be the one holding and letting the other two go forward. And that's something Mitch discussed earlier, wasn't it? Where if Tenali's going, Bruno knows the sit and, and Joe Linton, they can all do it. Uh, and it, it depends to me on who we're playing. If we're playing one of the, the better teams, then we're going to be have to have more defensive-minded midfielders in. Uh, if we're at home against one of the lesser lights in the league, we can be we can afford to be more attack-minded. Uh, and we, we have the versatility, the squad, the depth, the quality to do that now. And I genuinely expect us to have as good a season, if not better, this coming season than last. 
Morning, John. Uh, he said views on whether Elliot Anderson will be in the start eleven. We, we covered that earlier, John. He must have uh, tuned in slightly late, so uh, we'll we'll give that one a miss. Uh, I think we all felt he deserved his opportunity, but we did feel that uh, it would probably be um, you know a combination of um, Joe Linton, Bruno, and uh, Tonali. I think seems to be the favoured uh, midfield. I think we all feel he will get a start. Mark Todd says, is Man City's ground so empty because they have turned the ground in expensive corporate seats? to boost their financial fair play. We see gaps at Manchester City a lot, don't we, Mitch? Is is that a fear at St James's Park? I mean, you know, 36,500 for friendlies is, is is a great amount, but it does mean there's, you know, thousands of empty seats. Um, but for a Premier League game, it's, it's a rare feat. And I mean, it's only when you do those with the days with your dad and when we listen to that, that we realise that although short-term memory might think that we've always had huge attendances, there was a period in the uh, late 70s and early 80s where Newcastle were struggling to get crowds in. Um, oh. You know, across the board, of course, Sunderland was suffering as well. But, I was um, in the ground when we had, what, eight and a half, nine thousand in for Gillingham? There we go. So, yeah. You know, I mean, I've been there, yeah. It was it not <laughs> six or eight thousand for Bournemouth one, one year as well? Yeah, that was after the um, that yeah. was after the FA Cup game, which got postponed at half time. It got postponed yeah. at half time for fog. That Newcastle deliberately played the game until half time, so they didn't have to refund. Then the replay came around, and people just went, "Well, stuff that I'm not bloody paying again to go," and that was it. But I was at Brunby. Uh, we talked about that me and George the other day um, when we recorded a show, and uh, that was a friendly where there was only two thousand people in the ground, and that was I my TV that, my TV debut, running from the top of the Gallagher to the bottom when Liam O'Brien scored, and the commentary on ITV said, "And the crowd went wild." <laughs> <laughs> no, I, if, I, if memory serves me correctly, which sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. I'm sure we had like a Anglo-Italian uh, game back in the eighties or maybe the early nineties, and there was only four thousand there. And, and I, for, for a change, I went and stood in the leases. It was on a Wednesday, I know that because I've been playing five or seven. Uh, and I can't remember the, the team. It wasn't one of the big Italian teams, but I'm sure the crowd was given just over four thousand uh, in St James's. So. I mean, I, I don't see with with that. It's different times, isn't it? You know, it, it, yeah. it is different times, and it's, well, you, you've seen you've seen the change when they got successful. Maybe it's a couple of years after that, when uh, the Keegan era, for his management era, took over, they couldn't build the ground quick enough. You know, the the team progressed a lot quicker than the than the stadium, and I think that's what's happening now. Uh, but ultimately, do we need a hundred thousand? No, not a chance. Uh, to me, sixty to seventy thousand maximum would be enough. Where you're going to fill it every week, and you don't have the embarrassment of uh, big patches like Man City have at times. Well, I think Man City's problem isn't corporate seats per se; is that overpriced the normal seats as well. Uh, and that's the feedback I've had from Man City fans: is that because they're doing so well, there's so many games to go to and pick from that the money only goes so far and so they pick and choose some of the games to get to. Um, we, we would need to be careful of that. You need to be careful not to be left with a white elephant. You know, you go and build a brand new 90,000-seater stadium and if you're only filling it three times a season, it's not yeah. what you want. You know, and that's what's, that's what's hurt a lot of Italian teams who built, built a big stadium for the Italian 90 World Cup and then now they're all moving to slightly smaller ones down the line when they're moving on. So I think we want to be careful to future-proof it like that. It's finding the right balance. Is, is, is 80 too much? Is 70 too much? Is 70 about the right amount? That kind of thing. Needs thought through. 
yeah. think they need to do it. It's slightly bigger than Arsenal's and Tottenham's, just for status to say that we're bigger than theirs. Uh, to sure that then in turn make it bigger than Chelsea's and Liverpool's. But what would be a nice figure, and I'm sure you'll smile when I say this, is 69,000. That'll go back to the first cup win. You know, it's it's nice, five, you know what I mean? It would be 1969, it would be, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Just as a last time we won a European trophy, we've got a 69,000 crowd uh, attendance. So that, that to me, and I've just said all that, forgetting that my mother and auntie are sitting just yours away. So I'm going to be in trouble when I get off here. But they're too busy looking through the photos from the wedding yesterday, so I'm, I think I may have got away with that one. But the, the 69,000 crowd uh, capacity, uh, it's, it's just a thought that could be here, but I think they would have to make it bigger than what Arsenal and Tottenham's are. It's just to say, look, we do things bigger, uh, the PAF, and, and they will. But to go bigger than Man United at 74,000, I, I, I genuinely don't see it. And for all this, yes, we've got 20,000, 30,000 waiting lists. That, that doesn't come into fruition anyway. And I, I reckon another 10,000 on top would, would satisfy demand currently. But if the club continue to progress, then I don't think we would need more than 70,000. 70, That's just, again, my thoughts. Uh, sad news coming through uh, today, something which I knew about, I've got to be perfectly honest, uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, um, but Barry Sweeney, uh, God bless him, has uh, passed away today uh, after a battle with cancer. Um, you know, not something that was well known, not something that was publicised. Uh, Barry fought the uh, the horrendous disease uh, till the end and uh Got to know Barry, uh, like probably a lot of Newcastle fans, uh, through uh, you know the the tragic circumstances with which surrounded um, a preseason trip for mm -hmm. uh, his son and uh, for uh, a good friend of all of ours, John Holder, uh, who tragically passed away in a horrendous um, a horrendous plane crash. And uh, Barry uh, fought for justice for his son and. Uh, um, I, I used to see him on the uh, football league circuit. He came along and, and refereed a lot of charity games for me, as I know he did for other people. Uh, a lovely, lovely guy. Um, somebody who went through some horrendous moments in that uh, uh, throughout that time, uh, but uh, took a, a, an immense amount of strength. It has to be said from uh, the support that he got from the Newcastle United fan base. Um, Barry, uh, over the, over recent weeks on his Facebook page, has been posting lots of photographs with different drinks. And uh, this was uh, this was one of them, Stella, uh, which he did like a tipple of. Uh, but uh, Barry, rest in peace, mate. You're a peace now. And uh, thoughts from all the NUFC matters, uh, contributors and community, um, you know, with you and your, your wonderful family. Yeah. Sad news that Mitch breaking as we're, as we're on here. Yeah. Um, tragic all round. And uh, I know he was, he was fighting it right at the end. And uh, that's the only way to do it is keep fighting, no matter what, and uh, set example to many. If I everything he's, they've been through as a family, um, and uh, hopefully he's made his peace and he can enjoy watching the match with his son, wherever the next life is. Yes, yeah, Stu, it's never never nice to get news like that. But, um, you know, Barry battled with cancer um, in, in, in recent months. And, uh, yeah, he, he did he did it with dignity. Yeah, it's always sad to lose one of our own. And, and Barry had many battles, you know, as, as you know, uh, battling for his son's rights. And 
in fighting that horrible disease that many people have to go through, unfortunately. And I'd just uh, like to pass me best on to his family and, and Godspeed. And as Mitch said, he's, he's at rest now. So hopefully uh, the two of them will watch us win a trophy this season. And uh, my thoughts and best wishes goes to his family. Uh, finishing off uh, the last 10 minutes of the show, um, Eddie Howe was asked the question, what would a successful season look like to you, Eddie Howe, uh, this season? He just said, more commitment, more effort. Um, you know, I, I, he didn't swerve the question, just then results take care of themselves. That was his, that was his mindset, uh, Mitch. What What's a successful season for you after qualifying for Champions League, finishing fourth and getting to a, a cup final? There's a, a fan base we all know. Well, we're ahead of schedule. I say this season, not quite like a free hit, but um, we've got nothing to lose. Let's turn up at football's European football's top table and upset a few wine glasses and chuck some cutlery on the floor and pull a tablecloth off of a table and see how many noses we can bloody along the way. And we'll do that with that attitude. Can we get another cup run in um, and learn from the last cup run? And can we keep doing what we've been doing in the league? which is out-thinking, out-fighting, and out-playing and out-working teams, and you get your just reward. And I think that's that's where he's coming from. Um, I don't have any set idea about what a good season would would be for it. Um, enjoying football for a full season again, that would be my vision of a, uh, of a good season. Um, and like Eddie says, more often than not, in a situation like that, the results look after themselves. I've got no preset concept about what we should be, shouldn't be doing this season because we're way ahead of schedule anyway. Jim? Slightly disagree. Um, yes, we are ahead of schedule, but that means there's a new schedule being set. Uh, and, I, and I don't think we should be accepting a step backwards now. I think this season could be critical in our growth but it's a great opportunity to put a market down and say here we are or if we coin the phrase from the show and there was night Jordy's here Jordy's there you want that singing everywhere around Europe for as long as possible this coming season and many seasons beyond uh, and I think Eddie House far too media savvy to start sitting in interviews yeah we're going to win the Champions League this year and we're going to win the Cup as Amanda said you know she came out at, the, at Wembley and said we're going to win everything what we do know is with the management team we've got in place, the 100% will be given. And as we keep adding the quality to the players at his disposal, that gives us a better chance of being more successful. Uh, and that's why I don't think they'll be getting squad players like Tyler Adams. I might be proven wrong, but I think that you have to look at what we've got now. It's been good enough to get us where we are. Anyone coming in now has to take us to that next level. Uh, so there's no way Eddie Howe's going to sit in an interview and say, I think we'll get Champions League next season. But I, I think the expectations or the demands, or flip it around, I think if we didn't next season, they'd, they'd, they'd be extremely disappointed. And, and I get what Mitch is saying, had we finished 
sixth or seventh this season, and then Champions League the last season, sorry, and then Champions League this season, he'll be happier. So what's the difference of turning around? He knows himself from from Saudi. They won't accept that. Uh, and that's a question there from Blue Rhythm Boy. You know, what would would the Saudis expect how to maintain top four, Stu? Yeah. Well, the minimum to me now would be Champions League qualifications is their expectation. What works in our favour is it looks like the fifth place will get Champions League as well. Uh, and it is, it's a different ball game now. It, it's not like, oh, we've had one good season. They they really will, uh, really do mean business. Uh, and they will spend as much as we're allowed to spend uh, whilst things go on. And I'm, I'm still waiting for the sponsorships that I'm sure will come. So that, that will come uh, before the, this, this this season's all help with financial fair play. There'll be enough creative accountancy within the rules to make sure that we can improve the player, uh, the players in the in the squad. Uh, and if we're not Champions League this time next season, that would be seen as a as a big downturn because although they're not going to be banking on it and catering for it and budgets and stuff like that, I think the expectancy level. If you've done it with the team you've had, why can't you do it with an improved team? And mm-hmm. people can say other teams are improving, but so will we, and we have. So I think that would be their minimum expectation, Champions League. I genuinely think new sponsorships will come in after the 1st of September, once the, once the Champions League, clo- uh, once the, uh, the uh, transfer window closes. That, that, that's, my, that's my view anyway. And then, it, as you say, creative accounting, uh, accounting helps us with the January transfer window if needed. Yeah, thoughts thoughts on Saudi, Mitch, just, you know, they, they will expect because, you know, we've got, we've set ourselves high standards now and, you know, all eyes are on 2030 and Newcastle's very much, Newcastle's progress is, yeah. is important. The chairman said it yourself in that soundbite from the Amazon documentary. Where do they want to be? And, and you'll probably get more of that from the Amazon documentary. That is the regional mindset. They don't come in just to join in. We've said this for years now. Mm-hmm. They don't come in just to play the game. Uh, they want to win the game. They want to control the game. So that's what they do. And it's just... Good question. Last question of the day from Blue Rhythm Boy. Is there a danger it becomes an impossible job for how if that's the case? Mitch? No, I don't think so. I think he relishes the challenge. I think he relishes the challenge. Uh, anyhow, and he's up to the task. Uh, for him, it's... He likes to... He doesn't like to have barriers or saying this is as far expectation. He, he wants to burst through. I think he's in sync with the, with the owners. Uh, and and with his his ambitions are unlimited, like theirs are, and he wants to achieve it. And I think they've bought into his his work ethos, and and I'm sure he's bought himself a lot of good grace with the way he's performed or overperformed this season. But now you've overperformed, that becomes your norm. And is he is he grounded enough? Is he capable enough? Is he tactically savvy enough? Is he astute enough to go further? I believe so, and he'd be given the opportunity to do so. I don't think if he finished sixth or below, well, it depends how far below. If he finished sixth, for example, I don't think his job would be in any danger at all. If we finished in the bottom half, then of course, but he would expect that himself. But his motivation factor is, is not out of fear of his job. It's about what he can achieve. He looks at it the other way. His glass is half full and he always wants to see it that way. He doesn't think, oh, if I lose these games, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to win these games because then I can win a trophy. Uh, 
and that's the mindset that you need and, and, and he's got it and there isn't many many managers out there that could take over that that squad of players and do better than what he's done and in fact I don't think there is a manager out there that could improve that squad of players he's him and his team are getting every ounce of positivity and, and skill out of the squad that they've got and we should be grateful that we've got Eddie Howe he was, he's such a huge signing for us and I think he'd be given the support. And that's why I think both me and Mitch were, were very calm early on the window when everyone was throwing their granny out of the windows and toys out with the prams and everything else. Oh, no, we're, we're not going to buy anything. And of course they'll buy. Yes, he was frustrated because he wants them in early. The earlier they are, the more he works with them. But he'll get more players. He said it himself. He's halfway through the window. We've signed two players. Does that not indicate two more to come in? So you've got Livermento coming. There's going to be at least one more. And but if they're not, that's because they haven't been able to get who they want. They won't just spend money for the sake of it. They'll keep the powder dry for for January. And if it means that we'll go big in January, you never know. If there's injuries up front, you could you could even try and re-sign Ivan Tony in January, couldn't you? He'd be coming back. You know, as an example, if Wilson is injured. He's out of contract. He could even sign a pre-season to go somewhere, a pre-agreement to go somewhere else. There's so many permutations out there. But I think most bases will be covered. Uh, and Eddie Howe seems to be determined to get what he wants, and in most cases he will. So I've got no qualms with where we're sitting and, and where we're going to go. Danny Craig says, Alex Ferguson rated how highly even after he was sacked by Bournemouth. And uh, somebody just said there, you know, here we go, Ian McKenna. He says, uh, I think Eddie's built for it. I genuinely think we've landed the new Ferguson. High praise indeed, Mitch. Mm. I think Eddie's bar is higher than anybody else's. Yeah. Mm. I, I think, don't think we, we realise how high Eddie's bar is. You listen to every player that's come in the club. And, and you know, they don't just talk about how fit they've got to be. It's about their expectations too. From the manager, I think his bars as high as anybody else's, if not higher, and I think that that is the key. That backroom staff he has built around it, and the whole ethos in the dressing room, um, that comes from him. And I think it, it, would a job become too big for him? No, he'll make it bigger for himself. Great stuff, great show, 90 minutes of uh, great chat, lads. Good to spend uh, time with you. I'm back uh, tomorrow night with the Fans Forum at 7 o'clock. Uh, so uh, when the link goes up, set your reminder. Don't forget to subscribe. It is free. You don't have to pay anything. Just hit the subscribe button, and uh, that does us a big favour. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Stu. Enjoy uh, the game, Stu. And uh, Stu, we look forward to seeing you on Tuesday. Take right, care, lads. Thank you. We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or... You can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today.